Welcome to another episode of One-on-One -on -one with Patrick. Yes, in this series, you'll hear me having conversations with guests, just like any of the millions of podcasts out there. But there's a twist to this one. Here, you get to be a fly on the wall in a one-on-one -on -one web design coaching session. I'm not speaking with industry experts, leaders, gurus, or influencers. I'm talking to people like you. People who are still in the very early stages of their web design business journey. People who have questions, concerns, struggles, or simply need some motivation. I hope you'll find it useful. Let's dive in with today's session. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Scott, how you doing? Pretty good. Is that the university? No, not the university. Just my backyard. Okay, sorry. I thought I recognized. What part of Toronto do you live in? I actually don't live out in Toronto. I actually live in London. I just oh, say okay. Toronto. Yes, most people, you say London, they have no idea what you're talking about. They just assume it's England. Gotcha. I lived in Toronto for eight years. Oh, nice. Yeah, I love Toronto. <laughs> Been to a couple of concerts there. Stayed overnight. Cool. So, yeah, maybe you could tell me a little bit about where you're at with your web design journey. So, I'm pretty new. So, I just started five months ago or four months, I think. Mm -hmm. I started by designing the website just for like a family friend. They run like an antique shop, like clothing, decor, just showcase a bunch of vendors. So, I'm hoping to get that as a portfolio piece and then use that to get into working with paying clients and scale that up to hopefully $1,000 per client eventually. Okay, cool. So this is your first website you've put mm -hmm. around with? Yeah. What are you using to build the website with? I noticed you sent me a link through Figma. Yeah, so I was using Webflow, but then I found Figma is a lot easier for designing. So Figma then Webflow is my stack. Interesting. I don't think I've ever seen uh, anyone use Figma before. I didn't even, I've never heard of it. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. What made you choose it? I follow this guy on YouTube and that's what he recommends. So I just thought I'd test it out. I'm curious, what do you use? Uh, WordPress or code, CSS? I use WordPress. Yeah. I started out with, uh, started out with Weebly, but I use WordPress. I've used WordPress for the last three years or so. Yeah. So Figma. Okay. So what, what could I help you with? What are you currently uh, struggling with the site then? So I guess like a couple questions I had is like, when you're working for like a company that showcases like so many different products, like how would you pick like a single hero image to show? I tried just showing like a picture of the store, but was that a good choice? So this is an actual in-person store, like a retail store where they sell clothing, correct? Yes. Okay. But you're also building, like you're building an e-commerce store for them so people can buy their stuff online. Yeah, that's right. Okay. And they still have this store, like even with like COVID and everything, they've been able to stay open? Yeah, curbside pickup. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I don't, without knowing too much about the products or the store, I, I like the image that you chose. It is a fairly good summary of some of the products that are available there. 
but it's a little low quality. That's the only issue I have. Mm. When it comes to online stores, really 90% of the sale is going to be in the quality of the image. Did you take this picture yourself? This is from them because we have to social distance. So they're taking the photos. Okay. So and they're I'm just taking photos of the stores and sending yeah. to you. Because I noticed there aren't any images for the individual products. Yeah. I just started with like the design and then getting it approved before actually showing the products. Oh, okay. Yeah. The product images are going to be everything. There's a really cool tool that I came across a while ago. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Specifically for when you're selling products in an online store, making the images look really good. Okay. I haven't used it, but I came across it. It looked promising. Here you go. It's called Glorify. Have you heard of it? Does it like sharpen the images or make them? Based on what they claim, it does a lot more than that. It's like, do uh, you ever use Canva? Oh yeah, for sure. So it's Canva, but specifically for website product images. Like it's a full graphic design editor and they just have a lot of automated features like the background removers and smart resizing and stuff like that. But I would be curious. I mean, they have a free trial like everybody else does, <laughs> but you might want to yeah. give that a try because you can take whatever images your client sends to you and then just make them look a heck of a lot better because that really is going to be the sell is in the quality mm -hmm. of the image. So the header image is, is it's good, but I would like to see something higher quality and ideally yeah. some pictures, maybe like a collage of a few different products all into one header image surrounding the, the heading. Some yeah, I thought, I thought about doing like a flat lay, a product photo just from like above, like on a white background. That might be good. Or Yeah, so that's the thing. The, if they're going to be taking pictures of their products for you, absolutely. What's going to help you out is if, they, yeah, they take a picture of it with just nothing in the background. So if they take it, a picture of a t-shirt, just flat out laid on a table, ideally mm -hmm. the table would be like one consistent color because that's going to allow it to make it a lot easier for you to then edit that picture and make it look really good uh, online. If they could do that with like yeah. individual products, that would be awesome. Okay. Yeah. I guess another thing I'm wondering about picking a niche but I'm not quite sure like what niches like actually like care about the websites. Like noticed in your last video, like you mentioned, like lawyers, like they really care about their website because like it's a professional career and like they care like how people perceive them. I've also heard about like online fitness trainers you know, there's e-commerce. Like what are some other niches that would be good to try and get into that would be like stable pay? So you're looking at getting into a web design niche? Yeah. Stable pay. Yeah. I think you have to do some research into going local, generally speaking, will help a lot. So if you're in the London area, you can mm -hmm. either target clients locally in London and then even go further, niche down even further, and let's say just do gyms in London. Not sure how big the market would be. I know London is a smaller city. But because it's a smaller city, you might have less competition. The stable income, stable niches, immediately what comes to mind are things like lawyers, dentists, anything in the healthcare industry, therapists, gyms. Actually, I'm not even sure gyms are that stable now with COVID and everything and them having to move things online. Yeah. That, that kind of depends more on what their online strategy is because a lot of gyms or trainers have moved to like Zoom classes and stuff. 
are doing quite well. Actually, this is quite. I bet there's a lot that aren't even going to bother opening up physical spaces again once this is all over because there is just so much more profitable to do it online. But yeah, anything, lawyers, dentists, most things in the healthcare industry, therapists, doctors, I would say those are the most stable because those are the kind of people or industries we're always going to need. They don't really suffer the roller coaster ups and downs that many others do. Like restaurants is always going to be a risky niche. Restaurants come and go constantly. And frankly, restaurant website design is not nearly as crucial as it used to be because with stuff like Uber Eats and and Just Eat or Skip the Dishes and all this stuff where these restaurants just sign up to these other platforms, they don't even need their own branded uh, website. Really, you're only going after like high luxury restaurants, high-end restaurants. Those will be... a little more stable, even though they can still go under just as much, but they generally will need their own website. Whereas like a lot of smaller restaurants, they're not even going to bother. They'll just sign up for skip the dishes, Uber eats, all this stuff and have the customers come directly to them through the platforms. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Do you have anything that you're any particular niche that you're passionate about or do you have any interests specifically that you're into that you might be able to translate into a, a web design niche? I'm not sure exactly at the moment. I also like, just for like practice, I built like a construction website. So I think, I don't know, I think I enjoy web design. So I think I'm not too picky with niches just as long as it's like, there's actually a market for it. So I think maybe, I think lawyers could be interesting. Lawyers would definitely be stable. You'll end up dealing with some more challenges with lawyers because they're lawyers. So they're going to be oftentimes a little more nitpicky about the little details, depending. But yeah, I mean, it's stable and they're good paying clients. So, but the the thing is in order to target a niche, you have to have um, proof of work. You have to have a portfolio. So whatever niche you do decide on, you have to make sure you start building a few few websites for either, probably going to have to do them for really cheap or even for free just to have something to show on on your page your landing page for that i found early on that a lot of my small business clients ended up being consultants of some kind usually like financial consultants i don't know how that ended up that way it just did and it was taking off and i had enough of a a portfolio to have uh, a proof of work so i i I targeted that niche i have a, a dedicated landing page and niche of my business towards consultants specifically and still does really well Okay. So, so sometimes, is, go ahead. Is that your current niche, like at the moment? No. So at this point, I've grown my business to the point where I don't need to niche as much mm-hmm. as I did in the beginning. But the idea of niching is you start small and you work your way up. You know. So if you pick one niche in the beginning or two, it doesn't have to. You don't have to limit yourself to one. Pick a couple, a few, and you focus all your energy on those. You build up enough of a client base that. You start to naturally branch out to other niches because those clients that are happy, they'll inevitably talk to their friend or their uncle or their business partner and say, hey, did my website, they they did a great job. And then you'll start getting clients that just don't fit within those current niches that you're doing. And you'll start to expand out a little more. All of my business comes from SEO. All my leads come from searching for me. So that means I would, at this point, I'd say maybe 60 I mean, 60, probably only about half of my clients fit within one of those initial niches I was doing. And the other half are, are just random, anything else outside of that niche. 
So niching the ideas in the very beginning, it's so important because you're trying to wedge your way into a very crowded industry, a very competitive industry and slowly expand it. If you're trying to, to separate two big pieces of wood that are like nailed together, you can't just take a giant wedge and, and go at it right away. You have to start with a very small wedge, kind of gently tap it in and, and slowly expand it and work your way out. And then it take and then gradually separate them. I don't know if the illustration makes sense or not, but yeah, that's a good analogy. So how much like how much do you charge per client having what'd you say five, six years in the industry? Or even longer? It all it, de- it depends on the project. Well, I noticed you said something interesting in the beginning there. You said you want to work your way up to charging a thousand dollars a client. Why a thousand dollars? I've from what I've heard from like other like web designers like on YouTube, like Ron Segal, like one guy I follow, he charges like 10 grand per website. So I'm thinking like if he's considered a professional, I think just as a career, $1,000 for a website should be something very achievable. If I'm consistent with learning and picking up new skills and building my niche. So basically it sounds like a nice number. <laughs> At yeah. least four digit. Yeah. yeah. It's a nice goal. Yeah. yeah. I get it. So as when it comes to pricing, it's funny. This is probably the most common question I get is how much to charge and talked about it a lot. But what I've decided to do is I actually created a, a website design calculator and I put it directly on my website so that people can get an instant quote. They don't even have to talk to me. They get a, a, a custom quote for their specific needs based on this calculator. And I've been able to do that because I've productized my services. You know, over the years, I, I found uh, some consistencies amongst what people are looking for, what they need. And I've built up my processes to the point where I'm very fast with what I do. You know, I'm following a lot of the same processes for these websites. So I can build these websites in a lot less time now. So the combination of those two things okay. has helped me productize my service and basically be like, this costs, this costs, this feature, like a blog feature will cost this. The price is this many per page. Do you need a logo design? It's going to be this cost here. And so then with the calculator, they can just go through and be like, okay, yeah, I need four pages. Do I need a blog? Yes. Do I need a logo? No. And they go through, it's only about seven or eight questions. Very simple. And that gives them a quote at the very mm-hmm. end of price. And I did that because my, my main clients are small businesses, small business owners. My niche still, if you want to call it a niche, is fast and affordable web design. I do specialize in, in being affordable. But affordable is a very subjective term. What one person considers affordable, another would consider expensive or outside their budget. And I found early on that I was having a lot of conversations with people. We'd have we'd go back and forth. They'd be like, yeah, I love this. I love your work. I got to do this and that. And then you get to the price at the very end. They're like, okay, how much? And I give them a quote and they're like, oh, I can't do that. So then it wastes my time and it wastes their time. And by being able to productize my services, we avoid all of that. I get to save my time and they get to save their time because people are not just looking for you. When they're, when they're looking for a website designer, they have to get quotes from so many. If they're, if they're smart about it, they'll be doing their research and background with a lot of different web designers. And that takes time. It's a pain. Web design pricing is confusing and painful. So I've just made it as simple as possible. And now they get a, a number, a price at the very end. 
And at that point, they can decide, yes, I want to move forward, or if that's not right for them, then they, they move on. So you try to price just try and get like a agreement, like with what they want and what you can provide for that amount of money. Are you, are you referring to a, a contract or what do you mean? I guess I'm just saying you agree on the price upfront or is it just an ongoing oh, yeah. process? Depending? Well, that's, and that, well, that's the beauty of the, the price of the calculator too, is that the number is there and, and they can decide whether they want it or not, take it or leave it. And then it's clear. They know exactly what they're getting for their price as well, which is something that a lot of people get frustrated with because designers are not clear about what exactly people are getting for their money. So it's putting a lot of thought and effort into how do I make my customer experience as amazing as possible and as painless as possible for, for people that are looking for a website. So when it, but when it comes to someone like, was it Rand Segal? Yeah, he's got a lot of experience in the industry and he's got a different, he's targeting a different type of client. You can always charge $10,000 for a website. I don't know what clients will get for that when he charges $10,000, it's just a number. I have no idea yeah. how many pages you get. I have no idea if it includes logos, graphics, stock images. Does it include custom illustrations? Does it have, include a blog, e-commerce features? Like there's a whole list of things. So $10,000 is, is just a number until you start getting down into the details. Now, like I do think in general, people overpay for websites constantly. I think a lot of designers overcharge for what they're offering. I mentioned it a lot, but I had a, I don't know if you saw my case study about a client that paid $6,000 for a website that basically was, didn't work. It was garbage and they never could even launch it properly. They gave up about 80% of the job and they came to me telling me the whole story about, and asked me to fix it. And I, I did, I basically rebuilt the website for a thousand bucks and it actually worked properly because <laughs> I, it, it was a well-performing website. It was functional. It was, it was, it did its job. It was beautiful. And it was, they paid $6,000 for a WordPress website that was over bloated with plugins. It had 32 plugins or something crazy. I had this garbage theme that was bloated with code and it was on a server that was really bad hosted. It was just a nightmare. And no, I don't think that's worth $6,000. If they had received a better service and a better product, then there's nothing wrong with paying 6000 for a website. But for that, it's too much, especially for a small business. You can do a lot yeah. better than that. So but my business model is targeting affordable people looking for affordable web design, small business owners. But then I, I also make my residual income off of my, my hosting and maintenance afterwards, the passive income. That's, my, that's always been my focus. So when you host the website, like you charge them for the hosting? Yeah, I have my own servers. So I host and maintain the site myself. Yeah, I never even thought about that. Most people don't. And it's important. Most designers, when they're first starting out, don't think about that. Because once the site is launched, it's not over. It needs to be maintained. It needs to be updated. It needs to be backed up. It needs to be protected. Security. All these things need to be done. But... A lot of designers, they'll build this beautiful website, get a nice paycheck, and then say goodbye to the client. <laughs> but that's that should be the opposite. It should be the beginning of a relationship, not the end. So we should you should be giving a lot of thought as to, okay, now that the website's done, what, can, what more value and services can I offer them? How can I keep this going? And everyone, every single person that gets a website made needs hosting. Avoidable. The unfortunate thing is that most 
small business owners will go for the cheapest route and pay four or five bucks a month for hosting on Bluehost or GoDaddy or whatever. And it's garbage hosting, garbage support when things go wrong. You don't get any of the maintenance like backups and updates and security protection. It's just bare bones hosting and it always causes problems. So give some thought as from the very beginning as to when you're getting your first clients, how can I keep them as a client? So how long have you been getting into this? How old are you, Scott? 18. Did you just finish high school? One month. Then I'm, then I'm out. Oh, it's your last year. Yeah, I guess it's yeah. May. It's not done yet. Well, I don't even know with COVID and everything. I don't understand how school works for you guys now. It must be nuts. It's all online. Yeah. So what's your plans? You're building uh, a, a massive uh, web design agency? Yeah, that's the plan. So hopefully if I like continue doing this, get better, and then maybe I could build an agency at other people, the marketing space, like maybe like someone with SEO skills or AdWords, then build an agency. Yeah, that's the plan. Resist the temptation to do everything all at once. Mm -hmm. make sure you get really good at one thing before moving on to the next. And that's how you'll scale it properly. Cause I talked to somebody recently who was trying to do everything all at once. He had web design, graphic design, SEO, AdWords, photography, videography. And I was like, Whoa, <laughs> slow down. If you're good at everything, you're not an expert at, at anything. People want experts. They'd rather pick someone that's an expert at one of those things than just good at all of them. And that's the, that's the concept of niching. Mm -hmm. And if they need those other services, that's, it's okay to offer them, but that's where you, like you said, you hire someone that knows what they're doing. That's where you build your team. So as you scaled like your web design business, have you added people to your team or are you still like solo? No, I've added people. Yep. But all freelancers. Mm -hmm. I'm not really interested in, in, I don't want to build a big agency. I like keeping it small and simple. And I've actually turned down large clients because they were just, they were outside of the scope of what I wanted to do. Uh, I knew they require a large chunk of my time, even though they were very well paying, it would require a lot of my time. And the reason, the whole reason I got into this is that I could have control over my time. So it's important to know why you're doing it. Cause that's going to, then you'll get a clearer picture over who your ideal client is. So I want to grow it at a more uh, sustainable pace. And I want to grow it in the, in a way that makes sense for me. I'm not interested in building a big agency. So when I hire people, I'm not looking at hiring employees. I'd rather hire freelancers, contractors. The, the pool of freelancer talent is massive and it's international. So there's lots of opportunities for people around the world to get hired for their skills. And there's lots of opportunities for people, for entrepreneurs and small business owners to, to find that talent internationally and, and at more affordable rates than ever. In that sense, I have a team for sure. Um, I'm curious about your YouTube channel. Is that going into another business venture? Or is that kind of a funnel to go into your web design and like your site, I guess, business assets like the calculator, your hosting? Yeah, that's a good question. 
Actually, I think you might be the first person who's, who's asked me that. It's definitely all designed to funnel people back to my web design services. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in making it a separate business. I'm not interested in growing a massive following or becoming a YouTuber. And you might even, you could probably tell that from if you're watching my videos from the quality of the editing and stuff. Like I'm not getting into all of that. I like storytelling, but I also actually really don't even like being on camera. So this is like doing this stuff is the first time I've done that. But yeah, the other, the idea is to, to funnel everything back to my web design services. And that's, I get quite a lot of clients from my YouTube channel. A lot of people that are searching for how to do something on their website, to fix something, how to build their website. They find me, they see that it's more work than they thought it was going to be. And then they just hire me instead because I've proven, I've shown through my channel that I know what I'm talking about and they feel more comfortable hiring me. The YouTube channel is just, uh, it's basically a portfolio. It's an extension of my portfolio showing my skills and, and abilities yeah sounds like a good way to get clients because like i've seen like a couple other like a couple other people on youtube doing the same thing like i heard one guy just like straight up say this is just like something for my clients to see build trust like they see my content and then they hire the guy i guess another thing i'm wondering is so i'm like very new so what's like a way to build trust with new clients to get, I know you said just work for free or like very cheap. Is that what I should do just to build my portfolio and build trust to get paying gigs? Yeah, there's no way around it. The beginning is the hardest part because if you don't have a portfolio to show that the portfolio is everything people, when you talk, when you, you can talk all you want, but when they say, okay, can you show me some examples of your work? And you say, I don't have any yet. Then they're like, okay. And they'll move on. And it's like the old cliche, like how these, when you're young and you're, or you're just out of school and you're trying to get your first job, every mm-hmm. employer wants someone with five years experience for it, for an entry level job. And you're like, how am I supposed to get the experience if I can't even get my first job? It's just like the, you know, the chicken before the egg, chicken and egg situation. So yeah, this is what I did. I did do my first few websites for either free or for really cheap. Usually really cheap. I tried to, I either came through connections of family friends or friends of my own or previous colleagues that I had worked from in other industries, just reached out or they knew what I was doing. And so I, and offering it at a cheap rate kind of was able to get some people through that. But once you build the initial portfolio, that'll help a lot and you can slowly increase your fees from there. But there's no way around it. In the beginning, it is a struggle. And the ones that aren't willing to do the work for free, they will grow a lot slower from what I've seen. Because there's some that think you should never work for free for anything. And that's fine if that's what they feel. I get the mentality. It's the know your worth type thing. But the reality is just not that simple. Web design is extremely competitive. It's an industry that is very misunderstood. And contains a lot of con artists, a lot of people looking to make a quick buck through lying about what their abilities are. And it contains a lot of subjectiveness. What one person views as beautiful uh, design, another person can think is ugly. So there's just so many variables around it that it's difficult. It's difficult to start out. And I do recommend that, yeah, you either do it for free or for cheap for the first few and get the snowball rolling from there. Yeah, that makes sense. Here's the other thing. Sorry, one more thing that I recommend what I did early on. Remember what I talked about the hosting and maintenance, okay? Yeah. 
I would say, listen, I'll build your website for free. I understand I'm just starting out. I don't have a portfolio. I, I believe I have the skills and abilities, but I don't have anything to show for it. So I get it. I'll build your site for free. In exchange, on one condition, I, I get to host and maintain your website afterwards for this month, this uh, monthly price. And because I'll be like, you need to host your website somewhere. You have to. Every website needs to be hosted. But I'd also like to maintain it for that little extra fee. And here's what you get. And I got a lot from that. And what that does is it like, yeah, up front, you're not making any money. You're building a website for free. But if you keep them on as a client for hosting and maintenance, you're making that back up over time. So if I'm charging $30 a month for hosting and maintenance, I build a website for free. If that client stays with me, that's $360 a year. And I have clients that I did that with in the very beginning since I started this business six years ago that are still paying me to host and maintain their site. What's $360 a year times six years? It's over $2,000. So did I really build the website completely for free? Yeah, in a sense I did. That labor was free, but I made it up over time through my additional source of revenue and by providing a very valuable service that everybody that has a website needs. And that's why I always say to people, give thought to that from the very beginning before you even build your first website. Think about how you can keep them. Don't let them go. Don't say, they'll say, oh, thanks for the website. You did an awesome job. Here's a review. By the way, make sure you get a review every time on Google reviews. Huge. Don't let them go. They still need services, even if they don't recognize that yet. So how did you set this up with with your hosting? Did you have to get a developer or something to... Get the hosting? Is it complicated? That's something that's definitely evolved over the years too. So when I first started out, I was using Weebly to build all my websites and they had a dedicated section of their platform for web designers. What that did is that you're, you're essentially reselling Weebly hosting. Like Weebly's pro service was 30 bucks a month. Okay. That's what you would normally pay for your website. As a web designer though, you got a discounted rate. You only paid $8 a month for every website client that you brought on. But then you can turn around and charge that $30 a month to your client. And that's important because the client isn't paying more than they would Weebly. They're paying the same price. You just get the majority of the profits. And Weebly is willing to do that because they know web designers will bring in more and more clients. It's bulk, right? They can get one guy for $30 for one website, or they can get a web designer to sign on and bring in 50 of them at eight bucks a month per site. That's a $400 a month difference. So for Weebly, it was very easy. They were smart about it. They set that up and made it easy for web designers to do that. It gets more complicated once you start doing something like WordPress, because you, then you have to take on more of the customization. You need to figure all that out. There's a lot of different hosting companies. It really comes down to this. You pick a hosting company, you pick a plan. There's lots of different hosting plans. There's, you know, dedicated servers, there's virtual private servers, VPS, there's shared servers where basically your websites just get put on to it a shared pool of, of other people's websites. There's a lot of different options and all it just comes down to price. Once you figure out a plan with a hosting company, some make it easier than others to set up a WordPress installation and build a client's website and host it. I wish I could be a little more clear about it, but it does take research Like because every hosting company does it differently. Some do it easier than others. Some offer a more managed service like Cloudways, 
Cloudways is awesome, but it is a premium service. It's what I use now. I used to use Big Scoots in the past. They had great customer service. But yeah, that does kind of just require doing your own little research. But when you're first starting out, I'd keep it as simple as possible. And that depends again on what website builder you're using. Because for example, Webflow actually has a hosting um, service, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Because you can't actually... I think you have to host the website with Webflow. You can export all the code and then maybe host it on like a PHP application or something. I don't know. I don't know much about Webflow, to be honest. Lots of people talk yeah. about it though. Yeah, you got it right. Like they can export and take its HostGator. That's like one hosting I heard of, but they make like within the client's best interest to do with Webflow just because like everything's connected and you can update it like consistently and then it just goes straight to the internet not have to export it again yeah okay i think we have time for one more question if you got any okay so i guess last question what's your best advice for a new designer to improve my skills like any recommended resources books practices people to follow my number one recommendation to people is always just dedicate time to it dedicate as much time as you can the more you can do that the faster you're going to learn it's that simple. I don't have anyone specific that I recommend following or reading their stuff because to be honest, I find people just connect differently with different, because everyone's different. People like different styles of reading, of writing. They like different styles of videos. They like different, they have different needs when it comes to content. So I don't have anyone specific. And to be honest, I, most of the stuff that when I was learning, I didn't have a a person that I followed or read or watched all their stuff. If I had a question, I would search for it and get my answer. Regardless of who that answer came from, I didn't really pay much attention to. I would just look it up on YouTube, watch a video that specifically answered my question and I move on. And then my next question that came up, I would search for it on Google, YouTube. I'd get my answer. And then I continue. And then it's just repeating the process. I didn't find, I don't think any one specific YouTuber or blogger or entrepreneur or podcaster or whatever has all the answers that you're searching for. I think you need a little bit of, you take a little bit of, from everything. I, I certainly don't have all the answers that you're looking for. You'll probably get a lot better content from other people, frankly, but you might have specific questions that I answered and then you can get specific questions from other people. So that's how I did it personally. But my recommendation is just devote as much time as you can to pursuing it. The more you do that, the faster you get better and practice, put your work into actually practicing. Cause so many people will read, watch and consume all this content and feel like they're progressing. But until you practice, you're not learning anything. And that comes down to everything. Like I'm trying to learn Spanish. I can read and watch and listen to all the Spanish content I want, but until I start speaking it, it's not going to, it's not going to hook. I'm not going to progress. So the, the practice part is what really matters. Toy around with things, try different website builders. They all have free trials. Just play around with the tools. It's all available out there for free. Okay. Yeah. Thanks so much for this call. This has been really helpful. Can't wait to apply this all, make some changes. Sweet. Right. Yeah. No, I enjoyed it too. I love doing stuff like this. And I look forward to seeing how you progress and how your website project turns out there. Send me a link when it's all done. Yeah, sure thing. All right. Stay safe, Scott. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to have a free 30-minute one-on-one coaching session with me 
and be the next guest on the podcast, just click the link in the description and submit your info. Keep up the good work.